That's an awesome story, Bob. Thanks for sharing that. That is, that is really cool. And I just love like faith and faithfulness of people like Bob. So <clears throat> thanks for sharing that. Also want to say thanks to, to the many people who uh, came and helped us, helped us decorate, make this place look beautiful on Thursday. Yeah, let's hear it for them. <clears throat> and for all the people that helped out Cookies with Santa, uh, we have our very own Santa in the house. So um, is, is he here or is he not in the house? But he's part of this house, so I misspoke. But just uh, thank you. It was a wonderful time. We really appreciate everyone. Uh, just, you know, like the Indian Proverbs, uh, many hands make light work, and it was great to have light work and just have lots of fun. So, um, well, hey, a couple, couple things that I want to share with you, just some stuff coming up that is uh, just really exciting and important, just kind of announcement stuff that necessarily have to do with the message today, but has to do with the, bo- with the life body of our church. So we're going to try something different this year. And it may excite you or may infuriate you or hopefully, um, hopefully the uh, former, not the latter. What we're going to do is we're going to do Christmas Eve Eve services. So if you don't understand that, that's December 23rd. <laughs> we're going to do Christmas Eve services on December 23rd this year. And there's some logic to it. Um, there's some logic to it. Like for a lot of people, it's great. For the people putting on those things, it's not as great. It's not as great, and one of the things is like we, we're trying to build a disciple-making culture, and we want to have healthy rhythms as a church, and not saying that having church on Christmas Eve isn't healthy, but I guess it just hasn't been the most sustainable long-term for what we've been doing, and so we are going to have the same type of service, but it'll be on December 23rd. We're going to have two of those. We're going to have one at five and one at seven. The one at five is just uh, just an all-family service. The one at seven has um, it has has childcare for kids five and under, and we're going to have things during that service for older kids to participate in. So if you want to bring your children to either one, it's great. But if you also want to uh, just be able to worship and, and have your kids in, um, that'd be the seven o'clock service. That's going to be the one you'd want to come to. So um, we're looking forward to that. And that's a great time to bring your friends, to bring people, and it's just less competition in some ways. Like, we love, like we love Christmas, and honestly, there's, there's lots of people doing great stuff on Christmas Eve, so if that's really essential to you, you might say, that's anathema. If, if you love going like on Christmas Eve, if that's a staple, there's tons of places around here that have great Christmas Eve services. And so they love Jesus too, just make sure it's a church that loves Jesus, but we do invite you and your family and friends to join us on the 23rd to one of our two or both services. Also, on December 26th, we are going to not have church that day. We are not going to have services. We will have something online. And so what we're going to do is we're just giving our staff families and board families and leader families just a break uh, to enjoy. And we want to make it so people could travel and spend time with their loved ones. So Christmas is going to look a little different. And you might be seething and just thinking, this guy's coming in, he's new, and he's wrecking everything with Christmas. Well, I, I am really sorry to do that. I'm not, that's not what we're trying to do. We're just trying to uh, bless everyone as much as we can. And so what we've come up with as a board and staff is we're going to be transitioning some of how we do things as um, transitioning our small groups into more house groups, which are kind of more house church centric. And one of the things we want to do is we're going to have stuff for you. If you want to get together with your small group or house group or invite neighbors over on that day or invite your family over, we're going to have stuff online that's really great for uh, kids and families. So we'll have stuff if you're like, well, what do I do with my kids? 
we got that covered that day. So Steve and I are working on some stuff that we're going to do to share that day, and we'll have just uh, some things ready for you and your family to pop in. But that's just a, that's a day where a lot of people are just chillaxing and traveling, and so we're going to honor that on that day. So there will be no services in the building that day, but we will have something available for you um, after the 20th. On the 23rd, it'll be available on uh like online, you can just go to our website and you'll be able to look under our services and messages and find that on there. So if you have any other questions, um, you can ask any one of my staff, just kidding. You can ask me or if you, you know, got issues with that, you feel free to share them, but um, we're just trying something new. So it's just, I uh, hope it's fun for everyone. Um, so I want to ask, and you might not hear another thing I say, because if that's, if I just toppled some sacred cows, you might just tune me out. <laughs> Um, have you ever found yourself in a situation where the outcome felt like it could only go one of two ways? Like this is either pretty exciting or pretty dismal. You ever been in one of those situations? Where it's like got that first date or maybe a first day on the job or just something new you were being called into, you were stepping into, or maybe didn't even feel called, you just found yourself there and it can be usually one of those two feelings, like this could be great or this could be tragic. And um, it would be at those times, it would be, um, it would be great to have a clairvoyance of what's, how's this going to turn out? What's the future going to be? Can I know all this now? Can I have every step of this spelled out? Can I have the whole thing in a package so I can just unfold it? and know, okay, open this up, get out bolts A. Open this up, get out legs B. You know, it'd be, it'd be great to have that. And I think that the present, that sometimes a perfect life for having everything spelled out can be, is maybe not a gift at all. Because I think there's a lot, there's a lot, um, there's a lot riding in our lives of things that we can't and don't know the outcomes of. And I think sometimes we, we feel these things or there's things that we maybe don't do that are dreams or ideas and we just are afraid to do them because we're afraid of what we could lose in the process. And I want to share a story today that's filled with both hope, and, uh, anticipation, and also possibly disaster. I'm going to be talking about the Bengals and Chargers. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> Who day? It could be a disaster. It, uh, you know, the Bengals, they get you up, and then they just lay an egg. But we're not going to talk about that today. If you want to open with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. We're talking about, in this series, Christmas presents. We're talking about the best gift that God ever gave to us was the presence of his son that comes to us through joy, through faith, through hope, through love, and through peace. The best present is his presence. And so we're going to talk about today about God's presence, how abundant it was at the beginning of this story. So if we got that up there. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah happened this way. When uh, Jesus' mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I have a daughter. I have a daughter who's... Um, engaged to a guy named Joseph. And this is a true story, E Hollywood true story. And if she was found to be pregnant, 
I would be having um, probably three thoughts going through my head. One, I want to kill Joe. <laughs> Two, I want to send... I want to send her to nun school. And three, like, Lord, what do we do? Can you imagine what Joseph, he's betrothed to Mary, good guy, says, hey, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And now, in, in their culture, it was not okay to uh, get pregnant before you got married. It wasn't like in our culture where half the children are born out of wedlock or a lot of people live together before they get married. Like, you just didn't do this back then. It wasn't like the way they valued sexual purity. It was very important. Just an aside, like as Christians, Jesus values sexual purity a lot. And it's not the best idea to live with someone before you get married. And it's definitely not the right thing to, um, you know, have intimate uh, relations with people before you get married. And that's just a thing of faith. We can talk about that another time. But it was such a big deal that Joseph could do, he had a couple course of action. He could divorce Mary and just be like, it's over. Mary's dad probably gave him, he probably gave Mary's dad some stuff in, in exchange. He traded Mary. And it was like a coming together of the families. Like they brought things to the table that were gonna, they were gonna become one family. So there's a decent chance that Joseph was being brought in on the family business and that, or that um, Mary's family might not have had much and said, hey, um, your daughter's gonna come with me and as a token of expression of my love, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you a donkey or I'm gonna give you some money or I'm gonna give you 10% of my business profits because I want you to know that I'm committed to this family. So Joseph had the right to keep not only what dowry was uh, whatever that he was, was given to him with Mary from Mary's side, but he also had the right to divorce her and he had the right to have her prosecuted and killed. Like, it was such a big deal to have sex outside of marriage. It was a capital offense. So Joseph had the right to do this to Mary. And she was found to be pregnant, but through the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, though, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, made up his mind to dismiss her secretly or quietly. Joseph wasn't like that. Joseph wasn't like that. He wasn't going to have her killed. He wasn't going to have her um, destroyed. He wasn't going to have her reputation ruined any more than it was. He was going to put this away quietly. But while he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua, or Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold the virgin. She shall conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, God with us. That's not in there, I'm just telling you what the definition was. Which means God with us, God among us. Which also means God as us. Like in Ezekiel 34, God kind of gives, gives us illusion. He says, like, listen, I'm done with the kings, done with the prophets. I myself am gonna save my people. And he says, I myself will be their shepherd. I myself will, will be the priest, the father, the leader to them. 
And then he says, which means God with us. And then Joseph woke up from his sleep and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not know her intimately until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Now, anyone ever seen Wayne's World? Do you remember Wayne has like the vision of the naked Indian in the dream? Like, we're supposed to have this concert, and we're supposed to do this thing, and I'm supposed to, yeah, like Wayne and like the naked Indian. And he's like in the desert, and he gets, like, I can kind of imagine for Joseph people being like, can you imagine being Joseph and telling people about this? Hey, this girl I'm engaged to, um, she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and I'm supposed to stay with her. And then the first nine months of our marriage, I'm not supposed to consummate our marriage because I believe it's the Holy One, and I don't want to kind of intermingle with that. And, like, Joseph has this dream, has this vision, and it's from God. And this is really crazy if you think about it. And a lot of times, I, I don't know if anything in our lives would exactly rival this, but there's a lot of things in our lives that God calls us to that might seem crazy, like naked Indians in dreams, or like the Holy Spirit told me to do this. I can't explain why I'm doing this. I just feel like God's telling me. I remember years ago, there was something God was calling me into, and like, why are you doing this? I said, I can't explain it to you. The Lord's just telling me to do it. There was a guy who was actually um, interviewing me for a job years ago, and I felt, um, you know, I'd lo- it, it was like, I was in the real estate world, like the recession happened back in 2007, 2008, and our income went from pretty good to like 250 bucks a week bad, because just like all the work dried up. And so I was just looking for work to provide, to provide for my family. And this brother that I knew, this kingdom guy, loves Jesus. Um, I sat down him, uh, with him and met. And like, I remember sitting down with him, and he had this job opportunity. It was going to be a great job, work for him and his company. He's my wife's dad's friend. And like I said, godly guy. And he said, Ryan, I have to tell you. Because he asked me to tell him my story and just who I was. Oddest job interview. We didn't talk about the job at all, really. And at the end, he said, Ryan... I just got the sense as I prayed on my way here, and then even now it's confirmed, I would be disobeying God if I hired you. He said, I don't believe your calling is to work for my company. He said, I believe that you, God wants you to do something in the kingdom, leading his people. And so I, I don't want to hold you from that, and I don't want to help you disobey. And that very day, that very day, a few hours later, I got a call from this guy in Kansas City, and the rest is history. So that same day this guy told me no, he, he obeyed, and I'm like, okay. And then the Lord opened like the door to our next season. And it's like there's sometimes, there's things God calls us into that don't make sense, and we just have to trust them, and that's called faith. Faith, if, if we look in the Bible, the things that seem most important to God are these kind of intangible things that they're really hard to measure, really hard to discern, and really can't be measured unless you have a reason not to have them. Right? Like, it's easy. You can say, oh, I have faith that God will come through with my whatever when it's always there. You can count out like clockwork. That's not faith. That's just like, okay, this is great. 
This is nice. But there's other times where it's like when the chips are down and you're like, okay, God, I, where I'm going to give till it hurts. Or I'm going to say yes to you in spite of what everyone else around me is doing. Or I'm going to do this even though I have this really comfortable place and this could tick a lot of people off. I'm just going to be a person who lives in faith. See, God wants us to please. He, he says, it's impo- it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Impossible. Why does God demand faith? Like, why doesn't he just spell it out? Why doesn't he just put it in a bag, have the directions, and give us a step by step? And I think in Joseph's situation, I think in Joseph's situation, faith doesn't usually come in like, hey, do you want a cheeseburger or do you want a chicken sandwich? It's like usually way more than that. And not saying that it's always that heavy. It's not always, you know, give up everything, but there's, there are times in our lives where, um, let me just tell you this. Uh, my wife and I were having this conversation last night. We were uh, just having a great, great date and dinner together, and we were talking, and she asked a question. She said, why do some people never go all in? She said, why, why is there just like, why, why are there Christians that never seem to go all in? And not saying that there's like a special class, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're a person who's never gone all in. You come to church, you do your thing, you drop it in the bucket, or you show up, or you, you know. You, but you're you, you wouldn't be probably classified as someone that's all in. You've never given your life away to Jesus till it hurt. You've never um, you've never surrendered everything. You've never been mocked for your faith. You've never you've never laid down like on a level where people thought you were nuts. If you've never had that reaction from other people, you're probably not all in. If no one's ever thought you were nuts, you never had, had, had like a relationship break, you've never had to give till it hurts, you've never had to give maybe everything and just trust that God was gonna provide. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm, not, I'm not mocking anyone, but I'm saying there, there is this distinguishment. That like I think people, you can tell when you've been around people are all in. If you're not all in, they're a little weird and repulsive and scary to you. And if you're all in, you're like, yeah, these are my people. Jesus is calling us to be all in people. He's calling every one of us to be all in, that we're the type of people who could have a dream and could have a crazy thing, someone walk up to us like Mary, and we could be like, okay, that is bat crap crazy, but it might be the Lord, and that you would lean in. And then the Lord confirms, because because you might wonder, well, why does God never show me visions? Why do I never get miracles? Why do I never hear his voice? Why do I never see the changes? And a lot of times, it's just the difference between faith and lack of faith. Jesus says, if you have faith this big, size of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to be tossed into the ocean. And a little thing that you've heard me probably say before, if you've been around here at all, if you want to see God in ways others don't, you've got to seek God in ways others won't. It might seem weird. Stuff like fasting is weird. Stuff like giving 10, 20, 50, 80% sometimes of your income is weird. Stuff like praying for the sick in the store is weird. Stuff like, um, you know, like I told the story of praying for the kid who had like the pus coming out of him and like touching that is weird. Praying for, I, I went to pray for someone who was really sick and I, I was really afraid and I just felt like the Lord say, take everything off, you'll be fine. Not like naked Indian off, but just take off your 
your scrubs and your gloves and your mask. And he's like, just trust me. Okay. And that might be terrifying to people. But he says without faith, it's impossible to please him. And Joseph, Joseph, we see Joseph's character, why God picked him. By, first of all, Joseph wasn't just a guy who was willing to do big stuff. Joseph had a heart of gold. Joseph was told this terrible news, and Joseph was not a guy who wanted to put her away and disfigure the rest of her life any more than this situation was already going to. See, people of great faith don't just do great stuff. They obey in little things. Are you a person when you're wronged, when you're screwed, do you get people back? I would say maybe that's a challenge of your faith. If you always have to get someone back, you're, you may not be as faithful as you are. Because sometimes the most faithful thing we can do is forgive people who really wrong us. If you've been abused or victimized, if you've been hurt, if you've been robbed, maybe you had a business partner just pull the carpet out from under you. Maybe you had a parent that wasn't there, or someone who just hurt you, beat you, whatever, said things to you. Sometimes, like, that just starts there. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the faith is, comes through, it's like, Jesus, I see this in your word. It feels weird. It feels strange. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it because you said it. That's what faith is. Faith is not always virgins having children conceived by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it is. But a lot of times, it's just faith and faithfulness are married to each other. They're, they're, they're um, one and the same. So where this happened was somewhere between the years 6 and 3 B.C. when Joseph got this word. Um, he was in a small town lo- located in the northern portion of Judah uh, near Galilee. And if, do we have that map? It was uh, where... Where Jodas, where uh, the proximity was from where Joseph and uh, this got this dream and the baby and all that was about if you took Florence, Kentucky, and Georgetown, it was about this far. So that's where this was happening. And the man was a young carpenter. Joseph was probably seventeen to twenty-two years of age. Mary was probably a twelve to fifteen. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? That sounds crazy. And, and, and now, let me tell you this. Different society and the fact of the average life expectancy was only 35 to 45 years old. So if you waited until you were 30 years old to get married, that wouldn't work very well for you. Like, you would, you would leave a bunch of little kids behind. So it's a good chance that when, you know, like you start, you know, when you're 13, 14, 15 years old, like as a woman, whenever your, your body's ready, that's kind of was marrying age. And so Joseph and Mary were young people. But I want to tell you, youth, youth type people sitting up here, God does not need you to be old. He does not need you to be skilled. He does not need you to have lots of money. He just needs lots and lots of availability. And you guys are not the church of tomorrow to me. I hate when people say that. I, I hate it. You guys are the church of today. I have seen young people, yeah. I have seen young people, I've seen God work more amazing things in young people, honestly, than I've ever seen, like, in old toads. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying, like, if I could quantify it, like, I remember years ago, uh, 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 me and Robbie Dawkins, like, you guys might know Robbie Dawkins, he's come to this church before, and Robbie's this kind of amazing guy, goes all over the world, and just, Lord, just miracles follow this guy's life, and one day, we took a bunch of youth people out 
to do an outreach. We took a bunch of people out on a Saturday morning, but only kids showed up. And so we went up to this place, uh, like in northern Kansas City, Zona Rosa. And we had been out the night before. We went to the bar district. The kids couldn't come. And we were just praying for people who were like drunk and gay bars and all kinds of stuff. And we were watching the Lord move, but we were out really late. And we had this outreach planned with the kids. And, we're like, and Robbie's like, hey, I'm wiped out. And I just need to talk about some stuff that's on my heart. He's like, can we just like dip in here to Starbucks and like just tell the kids what to do and like hear their stories when they come back? He's like, I'm fried and I just need someone to talk to. I'm like, sure. And so we just sent the, sent the kids out and some of the older leaders out. And um, months later, months later, we hear this story. And these little junior high girls, seventh graders, eighth graders, go pray for this lady who's in a wheelchair. And months later, um, Emily over there, my lovely, talented friend, Emily and Dominic, they were in our youth group in Kansas City. Her mom buys a car or sells a car. Is, did she buy or sell it? Okay. So she goes to sell a car to this lady or something, and, oh, she's buying a car from the lady for her son, your brother Jeffrey. And in the car, it had, well, it had like, K-Love on or Air One or something. And she asked her, like, if she was a Christian. And they start talking about Jesus. And Emily's mom, Dana, says, like, I love, uh, like, you know, Jesus sort of thing. And this lady's like, oh, yeah, where do you go to church? And she said, our church is our church named Harmony Vineyard. And the lady about got floored. She's like, what? Long story short, she tells Emily's mom, Dana, that there was these girls who prayed for her. She was left for dead. She was left for dead. She was in a wheelchair. She wanted to um, kind of experience the cool spring air one more time on a lovely day before she died. She was given a death sentence, like a week or two to live. And she had her daughter take her to Zona Rosa, which is kind of a cool shopping, dining area. And these little girls prayed for her, and she's not dead. She's not in a wheelchair anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I had no part of that. Like the world, like the world uh, well-known Robbie Dawkins had no part of that. We were just some losers that went and hung out in a coffee shop and sent the kids to do it. Because here's the thing about faith is why I think kids are such a secret weapon is they're, they don't have enough experience to believe that maybe God can do everything. They're not jaded yet. They believe, they'll just trust. If an adult or a leader tells them, they're like, we'll try it. What do we got to lose? And so there's this out there thing about faith that's really important that we have, friends. And Joseph's faith changed the entire world. What if he had put, what if he had put Mary away? What if he had said no? What if he had publicly shamed her? What if he had her killed? Like there was a lot on the line. But God chose Joseph not just because of his faith, but because of his faithfulness. You can be a person of great faith, but it's also important to be obedient. To be obedient is faithful as well. And, you know, I think that, um, I think our faith is, it's a really, if you, the best gift you could ever the best present you could ever give people is the presence of faith. Like when we're faithful, one of two things happens. Let me tell you this. When you're faithful, one of two things happens. You either compel people towards the Lord closer or, or you repel them further. There's only one of two things. And if our lives never come, compel or repel, it's time to say, Jesus, am I 
do I have the kind of faith you're looking for that truly pleases you? Does that make sense? And I'm not saying that we should always be looking to put people away, because I don't want to push anyone away. Like, I want everyone to come to know Jesus. But just the fact is that we can't make people, right? There are going to be people that say, no, the road is narrow. But I think God's calling us to indiscriminately be people of faith wherever we go, to whomever we meet, and to love people in a way that just says, hey, here it is. Here's the kingdom. That doesn't mean we're pushy or we're forcible, but it just means that when people look at our lives, can they see a body of work that looks different than the world we live in? That's what, that's what faith is. That's what faith is, and it's impossible to have faith unless you're faithful. I mean, what if God wants your life and mind to do or be something crazy? What if he wants it to be something wild? What if, it, what if he calls us to lose our head? You know, like I remember uh, like being in Mozambique praying for people and people, the Lord was moving and hundreds of people came to Jesus and I remember this dude tapped me on the shoulder and said, bro, it's time to go. And I'm like, hold on, I'm praying for someone. Next thing I feel like, like the hand of Andre the Giant grabbed me by the back of the neck. He's like, it's time to go. And this guy grabs me by my neck and literally drags me and throws me up on a truck. And next thing I see is I see all these people coming with clubs and spears and like they were coming to lynch us, we went into this Muslim village and we were leading people to Jesus and that was, not, um, that was not kosher to them. But it's like, so, you know, it's like, and, 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 and I'm not a hero in this story. There's so many things I've done so stupid and so wrong in my life. But I can tell you, there's a lot of times I've said yes too and I see Jesus moving all the time. I see his goodness all the time. And it's not always things are like, hunky-dory or Pollyanna, but I see him moving all the time, whether it's good or bad, whether it's ugly, whether it's difficult. I see him all the time because he's always, he never leaves us, and his, his best present to us is his presence with us. And so you might be in a hole. You might be on your worst hour. You might be at that climax of like, oh my gosh, I'm about to lose everything. And you might be losing everything not because you're Joseph, not because you're this upright guy that God chose to... I mean, think about how great Mary and Joseph were. I think the Catholics overdo them. I think that Protestants underdo them. Like, listen, these are the people he chose to foster his child. These are the ones God chose, okay? Like, let me just tell you, there's something a little different about Mary than the rest of the ladies. There's something different about Joseph than the rest of the dudes. I'm just saying, if I'm God... You know, uh, like Kal-El when he came, like, you know, Jor-El wanted him to go to the Kents. There was something different about the Kents. There was something different about Mary and Joseph when God sent his only son. And you might be a person who has a lot on the line, not because you've made good decisions, but maybe you've made a lot of bad ones. The step of faith may just be, Jesus, I'm going to repent. I'm not going to lie my way through this anymore. I'm going to come clean. I'm going to believe that the truth sets me free. I'm going to believe that integrity is uh, better than just uh, trying to you know, get whatever I can. I'm going to trust youth-type people. Maybe it's better to obey my parents and my leaders. Maybe that person they're telling me is a loser that I really like, maybe I should avoid them. Maybe, you know, whatever it is, like your story, wherever it is, it might be 
in that place, or you might be like, Jesus, I got this exciting thing God's called me to, and I'm having a hard time with it. There's somewhere in between that, but all of it matters to God that we're faithful to him and that we give him faith in all of it. It all matters to Jesus. And if you're young, do not doubt the impact trusting God right now can have on your life. Because what you reap, you sow. What you reap, you sow. If you sow pumpkin seeds, you get pumpkins. You sow pea pods, you get peas. If you sow your wild oats, pursuing your own stuff, or I'll I'll, I'll surrender to Jesus later, I'll say yeah later on, I'll get together. Um, Don't be surprised if you don't. I have a good friend years ago, years ago, um, I remember my friend was a gifted evangelist. I saw this guy lead so many people to faith, was an impactful young man in the kingdom, and was just loving the Lord, was on fire, and just worshiped, and just was so amazing, and just all of a sudden, he just fell off the radar. And I, one day, I reached out to him, I'm like, bro, I showed up at his apartment. I'm like, what's going on, man? What's, what's been going on? And you walk in, it felt like someone like, you know, took a bong and hit you in the face, and it just was, it was bizarre. And I'm like, bro, what, what's happening here? He's like, he's like, you know what, I just decided, and he was like all happy, he's like, you know, I just decided to take a little break. I was like, a break from what? And he's like, oh, from like Jesus Church sort of stuff. He's like, you know, I'm just young, and I want to pursue some things, and I want to go have some fun, I moved out of my parents' house, and I just want to do this for a little bit, and then I'll come back. Well, the only problem is, the one who dies, who, who waits till the 11th hour often dies at 10.30, And my friend's not dead, but I ran into him a couple years ago, and I'm like, bro, what's going on? And he was so far from the Lord, he never came back. Never came back. Never came back. This isn't something you can turn on and off. Like, you're given a golden opportunity right now. Don't wait till you're older. You're not going to miss it. Listen, getting laid, getting drunk, getting high, getting by, all that stuff will never surpass the riches of knowing Jesus. And there's a lot of old toads like us who can tell you who have done some dumb crap, be like, yeah, I wish I hadn't done that. Like, there's never anyone I've ever met who's a Christian who says, yeah, man, I'm glad I slept around before I got married, or I'm glad I got that STD, or I'm glad I didn't wait, or I'm glad I used to slap people around or cave in people's faces, or I'm glad that I would, you know, smoked all that weed. Because what you, what you sow, you grow. What you sow, you always grow. And the more of goodness and faithfulness you can sow now, someone else's tree might have a ceiling of this high because they came into it way later in the game. You might have one that's through the roof because you started earlier. It's essential, it's essential to say, yeah, now. Joseph and Mary never gave up. And one thing, uh, one thing Brother Watchman Nee says about faith is says, he is able he is willing, and he's present. So right now in your life, no matter where you are, God is able to move that mountain. God is able to keep you close to him. Your family might be a dumpster fire. Your job might be a wreck. God is able to help you in that situation. He's willing. Do you know Jesus is willing? Do you know Jesus loves us no matter how much we're screwing around, no matter how broken we are, no matter how far we are? Maybe you're like, Lord, I'm laying it all on the line and I just, I'm not feeling you. Wherever you are, Jesus loves you. 
Jesus loves me. He loves us on our worst day. He won't love me better later on if I perform well. He won't love me less if I, if I stub my toe. He won't. But he's able, he's active, he's willing, and he's present. Do you know God never leaves us? Joseph, Joseph, some of the miracles that they started seeing, like, I don't even think that we see the full story of getting in line. Like, what, like I mean, they, they were on the run. Like, Herod wanted to kill Jesus. So when they went to go do the census, when they went to Bethlehem, there was all kinds of things in the line, and we'll never see all the amazing provision unless we kind of step out. Here's what faith looks like. I want to show you a quick uh, video clip before we close. This is what faith looks like. Give me some Indiana Jones. I told him I'd set that up better and I forgot, so forgive me, Jim. Is it not working? Not working? Gone. Okay, so you guys have seen, Indi- have seen Indiana Jones, Last Crusade. Do you remember when he runs out to the edge and he's like standing there and he's looking at this map and it says step of faith. And he's got the bad guys coming after him and he steps out. I'm not going to because I, I, don't, I don't know if there's something that Jesus needs to give me faith for. Yeah, like, like um, and I fall awkwardly. So, but he steps out and when he steps out, like this rock kind of comes out and he keeps going and like this bridge opens up and he had to have faith to jump out there. He had to have faith to trust. But when he took that step is when he saw, uh, when he saw the miracle. And our faith often starts too in thin air. But eventually each additional act of faith becomes less and less a huge leap of faith as a calculated response to God's past faithfulness. If you've been walking with the Lord a long time, you're probably like on some level like, hey, I have faith and I got, I've had a lot of faith, but man, it doesn't always surprise me now when God shows up. Because does, like, I just believe him. Like, he just does it. Like, I remember uh, uh, we were in Africa, and we brought all this stuff. And one thing that they'll try to do is they try to um, get foreigners to pay exorbitant tariffs to them, like kind of bribe you. And so we brought all these water things there that, um, that were valued at about $3,500. These water filtration could basically take you know, septic water or river water or whatever and turn it into drinkable water. And so we brought a bunch of these for the villages we were going to visit. And we went to this checkpoint, and at one of the checkpoints, uh, they open it up and start searching all of our things, and, and you hear them saying, like, look through the Americans, because we were, it was like, you know, us and then African people, and they're like, look at the American stuff. And on two different occasions, um, well, there's three different occasions. There's one of them where it's like, they looked in every bag except for the bag they were in. Another bag, the guy opened the bag, there's nothing in there. And then another time at a checkpoint, they said to us, like, like right as someone said, they said, oh, all these guys are with like the bishop. You don't have to check any of their bags. They'd checked all of our bags except for the ones they could have exploited us on. It's like, so God, like, literally provide each time, but had we not gone on that trip, had we not taken that step, had we not be willing to smuggle these things in there, the Lord wouldn't have showed up. And we saw him three times in a row. It's like, what on earth? How does someone look at something and say, there's nothing in this bag? Why do they look at all the bags except for this one? And then, you know, and then the other guy shows up right on time, and it's just like, that's what he's like. So faith is spelled R-I-S-K. 
It's also spelled hang on. H-A-N-G-O-N for those of you who want me to spell that too. I can spell that as well. Um, And so faith isn't just uh, miraculous healings or casting out demons. It's repetitious acts of trusting God with our words and action. And so just like in the life of Joseph, the presence, and do you know that your presence, your faith matters? Your presence is the best gift to God because when we trust, when we obey, we give God the one thing he doesn't have. Do you know that? You can actually give God something he doesn't have. He abdicated his right to your will and to my will. So when we obey, when we have faith, he loves faith because we give him the one thing he doesn't have. We give him our hearts. We give him our lives. We give him us. And you're what he's after. Miracles don't matter to God. That's just who he is and how he is. We matter to God also because he's love. See, we matter more because like that's who, that's what he is, is love. In love, he picked us to be the things he loves the most. And so he loves it when we love him back. That's what faith is. Faith is just loving Jesus back. If you want a layman's definition, it's just loving Jesus back with the love that he gives you. And he chose some teenagers and a baby to change the world. And I love what Luke 145 says. It says, you are blessed because you believe the Lord would do what he said he would do. So as we go today, I want to end on a high note. Just I want you to ask the Lord this week. Maybe write down. Maybe get on our Faith Street app and go this week. And I want, to, I want people to share what's the thing the Lord asked you to do. Where, where do you want to be blessed because you believed what he said he would do, that he would do it? I want you to share on Faith Street. That's why we have this, like this app. You can share uh, prayer requests or testimonies. Get on there and say, hey, this week I feel like God's telling me to do this, like to go share with my neighbor, or to give this, or to do that, or to obey, or wake up, have a quiet time. Whatever God's calling you to, don't think it's too small or too piddly or whatever, because he loves every act of it. So share with us this week, and let's pray for each other. Let's encourage each other. And then you can look someone in the eye and say, hey, how did that go? sharing with your boss about, um, about Jesus. I didn't do it. Or I did it. It was awesome, and the guy loves Jesus now. Or how about that mission trip? Like, how's that coming? Man, I made the first call. You know what I mean? It's just like, let's celebrate these wins. That's why we share testimonies, why we share, share stories. We love faith because God values it greatly. So I'm just gonna pray, and we're gonna go. And so I'm just gonna ask you to um, just pray with me just wherever you are, if you want to put your hands out or just whatever, put your head down. You want to look me in the eye, I'm shutting mine. So I won't even know if you're staring holes through me through the Christmas Eve announcement or whatever. But um, Jesus, we just ask you to meet us today. Would you help us to be people of great faith? Would you be, help us to be people that are faithful? That, Lord, we may never give birth to, a, uh, to the Son of God. We actually, we never will. We never, may never have to be on the run for our faith. But Lord, um, you want us running towards you in our faith. You want that thing to give birth in our lives, to give something, to give birth to the life of Jesus. Lord, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And so Lord, I pray that everyone, my family here, my church family, my friends, that Lord, that you would pour out your spirit today and you would show us where you wanna meet us. And I pray that we could grow in faith and in faithfulness. We love you and bless you. It's in your mighty and beautiful name we pray. Amen.
well, hey, go and sin less this week, and like George Michael, have some faith, right? So 